0: Zippity. I'm back. I hate when that happens. <clears throat> no matter what's going on, what's happening, we can always hold tight to the Lord. And as we've been studying through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and we'll find ourselves in chapter 6 this morning. As we take a look at it, one of the things that I'm struck by is we could spend a lot of time in these three chapters. And we're probably going to spend a lot of time in these three chapters. But the point is, you got, guys, Jesus is saying, words in red, Hey, this is what my kingdom looks like. He's saying, this is what my people look like. This is how they walk and talk. This is how they look. And as we look at it, I mean, I know... For myself, I look at it and I recognize and I realize that I fall short. But it's, it's such a blessing to me to see as I look at Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and say, this is w- the way God wants me to walk. This is how he wants me to be. He wants my yes to be yes and my no to be no. He wants me to come to a, a place of salvation, recognizing that I'm poor in spirit. He wants me to come before him meek. Which means I place whatever power I possess under His control and allow God to move and and work in my life. And as I look at these, these chapters, they're amazing. The amazing thing is Jesus, as He's walking down the road, His disciples are following Him very early in His ministry, and as He's walking down the road, He comes to this mountain and He sits down to teach them, but a whole multitude gathers around Him. And for ages, people have studied the Sermon on the Mount. doesn't matter who you are, believer or unbeliever, everyone respects the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. But not everybody understands that this is God's requirement. You see, in order for you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ... You have to produce God's requirement. And God's requirement is, as we read earlier, that we are perfect. Scripture declares, be perfect as I am perfect. That's what the Lord requires. So when I read the Sermon on the Mount, what should it tell me? It should tell me I'm in trouble. I don't live my life like the Sermon on the Mount. I don't behave like I should according to the Sermon on the Mount. But the other thing that God lays out for us is this the righteousness that God requires that you and I cannot produce is a gift given to us by His Son, Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ became sin for you and I that we might become the righteousness that God requires. He became sin, He, he paid that price. So by faith in Jesus Christ, that righteousness is imputed unto me. It's poured out upon me. So what's my response to that? For some people, they're just looking for fire insurance. I asked Jesus into my heart, you know, a long time ago, and and I haven't grown at all since. But as we study the Sermon on the Mount... We see that there's a constant progression in our life. God calls our life. He he gives us the example of a walk with the Lord. So if we're walking, what are we doing? Moving, right? So if I'm not moving at all, what am I doing? I'm falling behind. I'm falling behind. The Lord wants us to walk with Him, to experience all these things that He has for us. To desire to, as Jesus declared, be salt and light. Be an example that people in the world can look at and say, man, what is up with this guy? What is going on in his or her life? What's happening? I want <coughs> I want to understand that. I want to know it. I want to have it. That's what he calls us to do, to walk to be salt and to be light. And as we take a look in Matthew chapter 6, it's exciting as we lay out for us the Scripture that the Lord has for us because we've come to a a very exciting place in the Word. Listen, in verse 7 it says, And when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. But your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. So in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. and Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. How long did that take? Not very long. A few seconds. Jesus said, in this manner, therefore, Pray. In Luke chapter 11, if you just want to turn to, your, to the right with me. When we come to Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, we're going to see two years later down the road. In Matthew chapter 6, we're at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. In Luke chapter 11, we're two years down the road. And it says in, in verse 1, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in that certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord... Teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, <coughs> say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Isn't it interesting that Jesus' disciples, after following Him for two years, they didn't say, Lord, teach us to preach. They didn't say, Lord, teach us to heal. They didn't say, Lord, teach us to worship. They came to Him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. After two years of watching Jesus, they understood That one thing, that what Jesus did was always preceded and ended by prayer. In fact, it follows the exact replica of when prayers would be offered in the tabernacle. In the tabernacle, in the back of the holy place, there was this little table called the table of, or the golden censer. And that table was where they would offer incense and the prayers of the people to the Lord every morning, every night. They would go and offer the prayers at the table of incense, the golden altar, every morning, every night. When we read about Jesus' life, what do we see? Every morning, every night, Jesus would withdraw, find himself a solitary place where he could pray. Now, we already know it wasn't like the Pharisees, right? Because the Pharisees never looked for a solitary place. The Pharisees looked for a place crowded with people where they could sound the trumpet, throw their arms up in the air, and begin to pray. They weren't praying to draw near to the Lord. They were praying so that other people might see their holiness. And Jesus said, when you pray, don't pray like them. They're hypocrites. He said, rather, when you pray, pray like the publican. The publican came before the Lord, beat his breast and said, Have mercy on me, God. I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, That man goes away justified. Because that's the prayer that God hears. When we look at this, this concept of the disciples desiring prayer, wanting to understand what prayer is about, then truly the question needs to be asked of ourselves, Is prayer... Important in our life. Is prayer something that's so important. That you would interrupt Jesus. When he's going about. Ministering healing or just finishing praying. And say hey Lord would you. Teach us to pray. Because they understood. That it was important part. Of Jesus ministry. But unfortunately for you and I today. Often it's neglected part of ours. (coughs) Excuse me, we want to know, what is it that God's looking for today? What does God want from us? Well, listen, He's looking for the lost. The Gospel of Luke tells us that in Luke 19. That Jesus is seeking those who are lost. He's looking for true worshipers, right? John chapter 4. The Father is seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. So we know He's looking for those things. He's seeking for spiritual fruit in Luke chapter 13 that desire that there's fruitfulness in our life. Fruitfulness in the life of a believer. Well, what else? He is looking for people to stand in the gap. In Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30, the Lord says, "And I looked for a man to stand in the gap for my people, and there was none. So my judgment fell there was a time in the history of the nation of israel that god was looking for someone to intercede someone to be praying but nobody was praying scripture goes on to tell us that he's looking for intercessors intercessors those who pray for others in isaiah 59 16 here's what isaiah had to say he saw that there was no man and wondered That there was no intercessor. Therefore his own arm brought salvation for him. In his own righteousness it sustained him. The idea of Isaiah 59 is that God looked for an intercessor. Someone who was praying. But there was no one there. So God did it himself. God did the work himself. When we look at the things that God is looking for. It's the same thing he's been looking for before. He's still looking for now. He's looking for people who pray. For people that that idea of communion with God is important. I mean, think about the disciples, right? We don't have any problem with this. The disciples are are walking around with Jesus. They're having a good time. They sit down and have dinner. They look at his face. They see him every day. And we know when Jesus was with the disciples, they struggled in praying, didn't they? They asked Jesus to teach them to pray. But when Jesus went away to the garden of Gatsmone, Gethsemane, and he began to pray, you remember he asked three of his disciples to do what? Watch and pray with me, right? Watch and pray with me. But they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They were tired. They were wore out. You and I, we have the same problem sometimes, don't we? We start to pray, surefire way to go to sleep at night, right? <clears throat> lay down in bed and begin to pray. Well, they had the same problem. They lay down, began to pray. They weren't able to do it. But think about this. The day after the resurrection and the ascension of Christ. So Jesus has ascended to the Father. They spent those <clears throat> 40 days with Him and then He went up into heaven. What was it like for the disciples then? How much did they miss Jesus? How much did they desire just to sit around the fire like they used to and talk? And where did they find the ability to do that? In prayer. Folks, we know it because we look at the Scriptures. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, these very same disciples, it says, They continued steadfastly. In the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, <coughs> excuse me, and in prayer. They continued steadfastly in doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. That was important. It was an important part of what they were doing. In fact, in Acts chapter 6, when they began to talk about providing deacons and people to help do a variety of things. Around the church. This is what they said in Acts chapter 6 verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer. Continually to prayer. And to the ministry of the word. Oh you love me honey. It's close but not quite.
1: Uh,
0: If it would have went. That would have been really cool. (laughs) (laughs) the attitude we see in the disciples after the resurrection after the ascension of christ after they're filled with the holy spirit just like you and i is that they had an attitude committed to prayer lord teach us to pray we come to the to 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 what's called the the lord's prayer reality it's not the lord's prayer whose prayer is it it's ours so when jesus said this is how i want you to pray and so we're going to take some time and we're going to look at it. And, and you may begin to get panicked. I don't even know if we'll get through one verse today. So don't panic. It's going to be okay. I promise in the next two weeks we'll get through them all. All four of them or whatever it is. But as we look at it, I want our hearts to be desiring that same relationship. In fact, David the psalmist, this is how he wrote about it. This is what David said about it in Psalm 63 psalm of david he said oh god you are my god and early will i seek you my soul thirsts for you my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water that was david's hunger his thirst his passion to spend time with the lord Now David couldn't see God face to face. He couldn't sit around a fire like the disciples did. So how did he meet with the Lord? He met with the Lord in prayer. He met with the Lord by going through his word. By being committed to that attitude that says, I want to pray. But folks, God's people don't pray today. Or at least not everywhere. God's people aren't committed like at one time. There was a time in history, you guys ever heard of a fellow named John Knox? John Knox, he was a Scottish guy. I probably would have liked him because I like to hear Scottish people talk. That accent is cool. John Knox had this deal with Mary, Queen of Scots. Mary, Queen of Scots, was trying to, to direct John Knox, who was a reformer, back into the Catholic Church. And John Knox wouldn't do it. And they had these epic battles back and forth. But Mary, Queen of Scots, said this of John Knox, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the assembled armies of Europe. Think about that for a minute. And I want you to tell me the last time someone in the world feared the prayers of the church. I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the assembled armies of Europe. Because he was a man committed to prayer. Committed to, <clears throat> to focusing on what God was willing to do. And believing that God would answer his prayers... And desiring to pray in accordance with what we study in the Lord's Prayer. Because the Lord's Prayer really models for us the way that God would have us pray. And as John Knox and others did this, they saw the power of God move, the hand of God doing things. They were excited. And they were changing the world around them. And Don't you believe our world needs changed? Because it's sideways. It's sideways. There was also another fellow. I wanted to share a couple of his stories. His name's George Mueller. Anybody heard of George Mueller before? George Mueller was this this guy in England who felt like the Lord called him to do an orphanage. So he just did it. He didn't ever know how he was going to do any of it. He didn't know how he was going to pay for it. He didn't know how he was going to accomplish any of it. He just believed God. (coughs) Prayed and watch to see what God would do. Well, here's a story from George Miller. Dr. A.T. Pearson was a guest of George Mueller at his orphanage. And he said, one night when all the household had retired, he, George Mueller, asked Pearson to join him in prayer. He told him that there was absolutely nothing in the house for the next morning's breakfast. My friend tried to remonstrate with him and to remind him that all the stores were closed, but Mueller knew that. He had prayed as he always prayed, and he never told anyone of his needs but God. So they prayed, or at least Mueller did, and Pearson tried to. They went to bed and slept, and breakfast for 2,000 children was there in abundance, just as at the usual breakfast hour. Neither Mueller nor Pearson ever knew how the answer came. The story was told the next morning to Simon Short of Bristol under the pledge of secrecy until he had died. That the details of it, which are thrilling, but that all need to be said, was that the Lord called him out of his bed in the middle of the night to send breakfast to Mueller's orphanage. And knowing nothing of the need or of the two men in prayer, he sent the provisions that would feed them one month. George Mueller wouldn't tell anybody what he needed he said my father in heaven knows what I need and he is the only one that I need to go to and he was a man committed to prayer and as a man committed to prayer he saw God move in incredible ways there's another story I wanted to share with you it goes like this Charles Inglis a well-known evangelist relates the following remarkable incident when I first came to America 31 years ago I crossed the Atlantic with the captain of a steamer, who was one of the most devoted men I ever knew. And when we were off the banks of Newfoundland, he said to me, Mr. Inglis, the last time I crossed here five weeks ago was the most extraordinary thing that ever happened to me. It has completely revolutionized the whole of my Christian life. Up to that time, I was one of your ordinary Christians. But we had a man of God on board, a fellow named George Mueller of Bristol. And I had seen him on the bridge 22 hours, and I had never left it. But I was startled as he tapped me on the shoulder. George Mueller was behind me. He said, Captain, I've come to tell you that I must be in Quebec on Saturday afternoon. And it was Wednesday. It is impossible, said the captain. Very well, if your ship can't take me, God will find some other means of locomotion to take me. I have never broken an engagement in 57 years. I would willingly help you, said the captain, but how can I? I'm helpless. So George Mueller said, let's go down to the chart room and pray. I looked at the man and I thought to myself, what lunatic asylum could this man have come from? I've never heard of such a thing. Mr. Mueller, I said, do you know how dense this fog is? No, he replied, my eye is not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. He went down on his knees and he prayed one of the most simple prayers, I thought to myself. It would suit a children's class where children were not more than eight or nine years of age. The burden of the prayer was something like this. Oh, Lord, if it is consistent with your will, please remove this fog in five minutes. You know the engagement you made for me in Quebec for Saturday, and I believe it to be your will. When he finished, I was going to pray, but he put his hand on my shoulder and he said not to. First, he said, you do not believe that God will do it. And second, I believe he already has. So there's no need whatsoever for you to pray. I looked at him and George Mueller said this, Captain, I have known my Lord for 57 years and there has never been a single day that I have failed to gain an audience with the king. Get up, Captain, and open the door and you will find that the fog is gone. I got up, the fog was gone And on Saturday afternoon, George Mueller was in Quebec. What happens when God's people pray? We know in Chronicles, at the building of the temple, which is a pretty important day, the temple has been completed, Solomon's temple. And the prayer of dedication has gone on. And all these things are happening, but it's at that time that God says... When my people forget about me and they turn their eyes from me, I want you to know that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, repent of their wicked ways, and I will hear their cries from heaven, and I will heal their land. That was the day God gave that. And that is just as true today, folks, as it was then. If my people, called by my name, will pray. If we will seek the Lord, if we desire to see God move in a great way. I desire personally to have a deeper understanding of the greatness of prayer. The idea that David had when he said, I I hunger and thirst for the Lord like a man in a thirsty land without any water, that that I would realize and recognize that entering into the throne room of Almighty God, man, that's an awesome thing, isn't it? I mean, do you ever consider what that is? I mean, we're in the very throne room of God. The king let us in. Now, I don't know about your life, but let's say that I decide to travel to England. And I would like to have an audience with the queen. So I just call her up and she'll say, sure, come on in. Right? That's how that works. No. The ordinary people don't get to see the queen. Ordinary people don't get to see the king. But something occurred. You see, in the Old Testament... God was called El Shaddai, the mighty one. Adonai, the strong one. Yahweh, Jehovah, almighty God, the the great I am. He was all of these things. But then we come to the Lord's prayer. And how does it begin? Our Father, what just happened? What just changed? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus refers to Almighty God as Father 17 times. Something's different. What is it? I'll tell you what's different. You and I, believers have been adopted into God's family. By the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we've been adopted. We become the adopted sons of God. Not equal footing with Jesus, God the Son. But we become adopted children, and as adopted children, what does that give us? Access to the throne room of God. Access that we might come before him as children to their father. Children desiring to spend time, to see, to speak, to engage, to commune with God. Why is that important? Because this is what I believe. Ever since Genesis chapter 2 and 3, when we see the fall of man occur, God lost something that he desperately wanted, to commune with man, to walk with Adam in the cool of the evening. One day, you and I will get to experience that in reality as we stand before him face to face. But right now, we can experience that through prayer. Communion with God. It's an exciting thing that occurs. But for many of us, prayer is boring. Uh Not a prayer meeting. How will I ever stay awake? We need to come to a deeper understanding We need to realize what Matthew said, that the Father already knows what you have need of before you ask. Isn't that exciting? The Father God who created the universe knows what you need individually. You individually. He knows what you need. You don't think that's amazing? I used to think God was pretty busy, you know, the stars and the universe all flying around, all the stuff happening, you know. He probably doesn't really know what I need, but the Scripture said He knows what you individually need before you ask. God knows. We also see that the Son intercedes. (coughs) The Son ever lives to make intercession for you and I. When Jesus Christ ascended into heaven after the cross, after the crucifixion, through the resurrection, into the ascension, what did He do? He sat down at the right hand of God the Father and he prays for you day and night. He ever lives to make intercession for you individually. Jesus Christ is praying. That's not exciting. Jesus Christ is praying for you in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Not only that, he knows how you feel. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may attain mercy and find grace in our time of need. Man, Jesus, not only is He up there praying for you, He understands how you feel, He knows what you're going through, and He's just waiting for you to speak with Him. See, that's why the psalmist said, I'm like a man dying of thirst in the desert. That's how I want to commune with God. That's how I want to talk with God. Now, that's how I want to talk with God. Unfortunately, that's not always how I talk with God. I'll be honest with you. I could sit down for prayer and say, you know, God is great, God is good, thank you for the food, let's eat. Not even thinking about it. But I have opportunity, man, to, to enter before His presence. And I, I want to be excited like they were. I want to I understand the greatness of the power that the... That the Holy Spirit takes my prayers and fixes them with groanings that cannot be uttered, the Scripture tells in Romans chapter 8. And aligns my prayers with God's will. Man, that that is exciting times. That the Father knows what I need. That Jesus is always praying for me, longing to spend time with me. That the Holy Spirit is interceding and changing my prayers and helping me pray in a way that lines up with God's will. I want to have that deeper understanding of what it is to pray. I want to be like the disciples that came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, teach me to pray. I want to pray like you pray. I want to enter into the throne room of God the way you enter in. But listen, folks, the bigger prayer is in our lives, the smaller our burdens and battles are, and the greater our blessings are. I want you to think about that. The, the larger, the bigger prayer is in your lives, the smaller the burdens and battles. So if you're looking at your life and you're thinking, man, <coughs> these battles are enormous before me. And they may be huge battles. But when we pray, when God's people pray, when our heart is really hungering and thirsting after the Lord... We're drawing near unto Him. Those battles will shrink and our blessings will grow. Just like a little shepherd boy looking at a giant across the field. All the army was afraid to go. All the great men of battle. All the guys who had been in battle a hundred times with the scars all over their bodies to show that they've survived. They could not move because Goliath was so big. But David was a man of prayer, right? What's the scripture called, David? A man after God's own heart. David sought the Lord's presence. David who wrote the Psalms. David who wrote songs. David who spent time before God. He didn't see like George Mueller the thickness of the fog or the height of Goliath. He saw the bigness of his God. Folks, that's what prayer does for us. And that's how we want to pray. But sometimes our prayers are selfish prayers. Sometimes my prayers are selfish prayers. Here's what I need, Lord. These are my needs. Would you please supply them as soon as possible? And But at the same time, when I pray, is my desire to see the Lord Jesus glorified? Is my desire to see Him magnified in my life? Because that's what we read in the Lord's Prayer when we come to hallowed be thy name. The prayer is an attitude that says, God, I want to see you glorified. I want to see you magnified. I want, to see, I want to see people understand you in a greater degree as a result of my life. But do you know that that meant that the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, were going to go between a rock and a hard place with nowhere to run, with the Dead Sea in front of them and the armies of Pharaoh behind them. The prayer that says, I want to see the Lord glorified. They came between a rock and a hard place with nowhere to go. But just like David, just just like George Mueller, who wouldn't see the fog or the giant, Moses just saw his God, Lord, deliver. And the Lord said, Moses, lift up your, your staff. And I'm going to part the Red Sea. And Moses had the faith to do what God said. And he lifted up his staff. The Red Sea parted. And God declares in the book of Exodus that that entire event occurred. So that his name would be glorified among the Egyptians. When we pray is our attitude of our prayer to say, man, I want to see Jesus glorified. I want to see God magnified. Because sometimes when we pray that, do you realize that that means life is going to get hard? Now, this last weekend, Kathy and I decided that we're going to go camping. And everybody decided to get sick. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people in the church decided to get sick. We had Anna Lures, who was having chest pain. Just had a stint put in for chemotherapy. That's kind of scary. She had to go to the emergency room. We had Jackie Lures, her mother-in-law, who was having her gallbladder out. And after the surgery, they couldn't wake her up. She wouldn't come out of her anesthesia. At the same time, we have Rusty Hawkins, a, a police officer, a member of our church, who is in the hospital because he has a blockage in his intestine and nobody knows what's going on. All that stuff, hitting at once. But I promise you, through every one of those events, if we're willing, Jesus Christ will be glorified through them all. Jackie Lewis, doctors discovered as we prayed, they talked about it, whatever. They came with the idea of a, of a drug that would reverse the anesthesia and she was able to come out. And she's resting at home today. Battle's not over. She's got other things to deal with, but praise God, God moved. Anna Lures went in and we're worried about whether or not there's an infection or something going on in her heart or pneumonia maybe, but the doctors were able to, to tell her it's okay. It's, it's just muscle soreness from the stamp being put in. Rusty Hawkins still in the hospital right now. At one time they were saying Crohn's disease. Another time blockage. And all they can say right now is. Uh, we're not really sure. Maybe an infection in his stomach caused it. The blockage is gone. We're going to take x-rays and let him go. And hopefully he's going to come home this afternoon. When we pray. Do we only see God heal? Or are we able to see. Jesus, be glorified. Be magnified. Be magnified in my life. As I want to see Jesus move. I want to commune with Him. I want to experience all that He has. Amen. Folks, when we look at the Lord's Prayer, we're going to close up here in a second and have communion. But listen, <coughs> when we look at the Lord's Prayer, it contains six requests. The first three of the requests that we look at deal with matters that concern the Lord. These are the matters that concern the Lord. The glory of His name, the coming of His kingdom, and the accomplishing of His will. The other three requests that we see deal with the person praying, the necessities of life, personal forgiveness of sins, or victory over trials and temptations. And every single prayer we pray will fit in that. Every single issue we face. So Jesus said, in this manner pray, in this way. But listen, I want you to think about our world for a minute. And think about that prayer we just read. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts and forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. We need this prayer today. Why? Well, for one thing, God's name is not being revered, but blasphemed in this world. While he reigns in heaven, he's not allowed to rule on earth nor is his will even paid attention to. In fact, our current president, when he was running, said it was ridiculous to think that the Word of God could have any influence in governing people. That's our world today. That's the world that we're in. God's rich provisions for human life are wasted and destroyed while millions of hungry people are looking for bread. Now how many of us, when we have ever seen a commercial that talks about feeding the hungry children? anybody ever seen that? <clears throat> you want to feed all the hungry children? Simple. Simple little sacrifice. One day, don't buy any soda, don't buy any beer in the entire United States and send that money to feed the hungry. And they would have plenty. plenty but we don't do that we need this prayer today give us this day our daily bread lord meet our need make the provision for us we all sin and need forgiveness we are all prone however to listen to the tempter to rebel and to go astray All of us, as God's children, need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through our lives to use this prayer in our lives that we, you and I, we might please the Father, that we might become more like the Son, and that we might be used by the Holy Spirit to change this world. If my people pray amen we're going to have a time of communion as we move toward communion i have the worship team come on up and the the guys prepare the things uh the implements for communion i want to encourage you as we take this time of reflection as god's word declares for us when we come to the lord's table when we come to this place and we remember the body and the blood of jesus christ We remember that which He's done for us. That we would give honor to the body and the blood. That we would remember that for which God gave everything. And when Jesus came and He died on the cross, He did it. So that you and I could go to the throne room of God boldly and commune with the father that that righteousness which is required of us would be perfected in us through our relationship with jesus christ so as we consider that and as we go into worship i invite you ask the lord in these next couple weeks as we study through this section of scripture ask the lord To teach you to pray so that we might turn this world upside down again. Because I don't like upside right. Or maybe it's upside down now and we need it upside right. But either way, it needs to turn around. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Let's worship.
1: Oh, how could it be That God would welcome me Into this mystery Take this bread, take this wine Now the simple made divine For any to receive By your mercy we come to your table your grace you are making us faithful. Lord, we remember you. Remembrance leads us to worship. And as we worship you, I worship To your invitation We remember you See his body, his blood Now that he has overcome Every trial we will face or ashamed all are welcome in this place by your mercy we come to your table by your grace to worship as we worship you our worship leads to communion we respond Yeah.
0: opportunity now to remember the body and the blood of our Savior. I invite you as you hold the, the bread in your hand, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you that indeed your body was broken for us. God, that you came that we might be able to experience a relationship, communion with the Father. Communion with you. Communion with the Spirit, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you would move on us in a mighty, mighty way, Lord God, that we would appropriate the broken body by whose stripes we have been healed. Lord God, I pray, as we come before you now, we would live our lives as salt and light. That people may one day look to us and say, I fear the prayers of Calvary Chapel Buell more than anything else because God moves in that place. Lord, we want you to move in this place so we remember you and we remember your sacrifice. We pray, God, that you would Fill us with your power to do what you're calling us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake together. As you hold that cup, let's pray over the cup this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this cup. Lord God, symbolizing your shed blood. For the remission of my sins, Lord Jesus, say you became sin that I might become right with God. And all that's required of me is to put my faith and my trust in you to say, I believe. To make you my Savior and my Lord, my King. Lord, to move in such a way, God, that I would bring honor and glory to you. Father, we pray as we come before you in this time that we would remember your blood shed for the remission of our sin. That we would allow it to wash us clean. To walk away from the garbage that stains us. And to walk into that newness of life that you have laid out before us. That we, Lord God, might experience all that you have for us. God, as we remember you, We remember your blood shed. God, may we apply that blood in our lives. May we allow the blood of Jesus Christ to make us clean. To experience the truth that God has forgiven us of all our sin. That you give us this day our daily bread. You meet us in the present. You cover our past. And we look forward to our future as your kingdom come. Lord, as we look to that day when we see you face to face, move in a mighty way through your church as we remember you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. Will you stand with us as we close?